Hello, my brothers, my sisters. How are you doing wherever you are all over the world? It is my privilege to come to you again. Um, I have been slow about this particular message, but it is, uh, it's been, you know, God has been dealing with me about it over the course of the last one year. Personally, uh, in my own um, um, devotional life, and one of the promises I made in when I started Christ Cafe was to never talk about something that I haven't done or that I am not doing. And um, it is not, uh, but it, it is different from a church in that situation because it's a, it's a company of transformative conversations. It's a platform where people can converse together. As a matter of fact, the reason why I started with the verse of scripture in Malachi that said that they that feared the Lord spoke often one with another. It is the kinetic part of Christ's body in, in that it is a self, um, self-revealing organ in the sense that Christ wants to penetrate this world not in an institutional way but in a, a an insidious and a a you know if he wants to permeate the world is the fullness of him that feels all in all and there is something that is non-violent about about biology the bioevolution of the human body is non-violent. The bone grows, the leg bones are growing, not in any way that hinders the growth of the bones for the arms and 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 one organ complements the other. And that's how Christ wants to penetrate the world, and it is by the the conversations that we have. And so you would find that I would speak to final stuff, F-I-N-E-R, the last, the really last fiber of Christ as it touches you, the believer. Not necessarily the grand ideas, you know, of doctrinal, uh, uh, institutional doctrines or whatever, you know. Uh, it is basically a conversation that you can have with your daughter, you can have with your friend, you can have with your son, you can have with your brother. They're very, very practical conversations like that. I want to speak about the motivation of guilt and fear and how that has hindered the penetration and the effectiveness of the Christ life in the believer's life. And that's a very very you know massive subject it's deeply personal to me because I, I I woke up one point and I realized that yes I was proclaiming love but most of what I did for God was motivated by fear and guilt and it's it leads to one or two things. It's either, it either leads to resentment 
or covetousness. And you can find out that if you look at the body of Christ today, you can literally put almost everybody in either one of those baskets. Um, either the basket of resentful service or the basket of uh, of covetousness, which is this grabby and so much so the believers are uh, robbing one another. They are defrauding one another. Because most of what we do will be motivated by fear. Fear of luck. The fear of judgment. The fear of not being seen to be uh, devoted enough. The fear of securing the wrath of men of God or or even the, you know, basic fear of uh, let's work and give so that our pastors will not have to go there and hustle and work and then get compromised. Now, that, that's what we must, you know, we must do what we can. This, the, the thing with fear and guilt is that they are very noble in their intentions, always very noble. And that's, that's why they've lived for centuries within the walls of, of the church. And they've gone almost unchallenged because, I mean, making people feel guilty, in fact, that the way we judge effectiveness of sermons and messages are if they wander against ourselves well enough, if, if they stung us in our belly uh, hard enough, if they if they pushed us to to that momentary um, momentary feeling of inadequacy and and you know and then we offer up miserable worship we, we, because and then we, we need another one next week because the effects of such things don't last what they give birth to is a certain um, resiliency of the flesh they make the flesh more resilient. They, they, they create arguments by which the flesh might strengthen itself. Let's not forget that the flesh is a, a way, a body of thought, is a way of thinking. That's why Romans chapter 12 went directly to the heart of it. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, for this is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So transformation happens when mind is renewed. So flesh is basically an unknown renewed mindset. It's a way of thinking. Uh, and when it's guilt and fear only make, make the flesh stronger in the sense that it begins to create arguments within the, the, the belief. You know, you, you, you know you did, you did something wrong yesterday. You asked God to forgive you. You knew before you did that you, you were going to do it. You actually took time to plan to do it. But you've done it, achieved your aim, which was to satisfy the desires of your flesh. And then you, you know that you only needed to go through a routine of guilt. It's not really 
you know, because you did it yesterday. It's the same thing, you know, that you're doing. You're just rinsing and repeating it, hoping that the passage of time would create a bit of authenticity in your soul that what you are doing is not wrong. So what happens is you make your flesh stronger now, you know, because that's precisely what the Lord did. L-A-W, the law, took occasion of the flesh to assassinate the believer. That's what it did. It, it, it just took advantage of the condemnation that the law brought and then warned the adherent against him or herself. He can't, she can't help herself. She has to do those things. And then because there's a prescribed way to get back, which is very mechanical, has nothing to do with the impact on the art, on the heart in which these things uh, remove. What, what Christ did, he was wounded for our transgressions. One, then he was bruised for our iniquity. Two, iniquity speaks to wicked ways. Uh, transgressions speak to just basically rebelling against God, just basically, just basically doing um, something that is not right. Iniquity is, is deeper. It's actually it is is deeper. It goes into devising wickedness. And Jesus was bruised for iniquities. Then the third thing he did was he restored our relationship to God. The chastisement of our peace, peace with God, and peace with other believers, and peace with Israel. The chastisement that brought that peace was laid upon him. And the fourth thing he did was he his stripes healed us. Now that speaks to the heart of rebellion itself. The the thing that makes us enjoy destroying ourselves. Because sin doesn't do anything to God per se. God doesn't have any stake other than you. You are God's stake. So what he is protecting is he's protecting you from you. Right. So so that you don't self-destruct. But if you are enjoying acts of self-destruction, that speaks to uh, that speaks to a dysfunction that needs to be healed. And it is not just physical uh, um, healing, it is psychological, it is emotional, it is undoing decades and decades of, of, of stuff that the enemy has done. If you listen to my previous messages, I think two or three messages ago, I talked about how we really, really need to be healed. I, and, and those are the things that Christ did. Transgressions, iniquities, peace and healing and if we allow that Christ seed inside of us if we agree with it and confess it and make it our ultimate obsession what will happen is that it would accomplish these four things he will save us from our sins transgressions and iniquities and it will heal our diseases which is the dysfunction within us that makes us enjoy seeing you won't you see <laughs> I want to speak to it when I get to the real motivation. If we're not being motivated by guilt 
and fear. What are we supposed to be motivated by then? Love. Love. And how can we love? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength and love your neighbor as thyself. That was before Jesus died. When Jesus died, he said, love yourselves as I have loved you. So that means that Christ wants our own love as a motivation to be an organic response of our spirit having been loved. Now, I know that that takes a while. And that's what the Ephesians chapter 3 prayer is for. To get you. But because you can't do it by yourself. Love is not positive thinking. It is not. It is not you just deciding to love yourself. Or deciding to self-love. This is what this self-help stuff. No, that's not what it does. You're damaged. Your natural state was love before. Your natural state was supposed to be love because you were made in the image of your father. What has happened is that that image was, was switched. Sin nature was introduced and fear came in. The fear and the suspicion of divine intent corrupted your ability to want to be open and vulnerable to him, to be influenced to love. Whereas, if we removed all of those things which Christ has done, Christ did it deliberately, I told you four things that he did, and we became fully committed to experiencing the Christ life in us, confessing it only, not putting attention on ourselves, not constantly talking about ourselves, not constantly trying to motivate ourselves by guilt and shame and condemnation, but motivating ourselves only by trying to understand experience this miraculous Christ's life that is now on the inside of us what will happen is that we will attain realizing by revelation that we are loved by God and that introduces us to being vulnerable enough to being open within ourselves enough to begin trusting in God enough to experience the fullness of God. The Bible says the combination of that prayer in Ephesians chapter 3 is that we will be filled with all of the fullness of God, meaning we will be permeated and we will become replete with the full measure of Christ's life. And that Christ's life, my brothers and sisters, is its only way of expressing itself is love. Your giving, your, in fact, your repentance will be organic because you have been loved into repentance. You are not repenting into being loved. You are being loved into repentance. The goodness of God leading you to repentance. And that repentance happens sometimes when you're not even aware of it. You just realize that you have new intention, new motivations now that come out of loving God and and loving His people. And it's natural. It's not the fake type of love. No, 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 no. It is the real, the organic response, just like love is second nature to God. Love becomes second nature 
to you. So all your giving and all that will be motivated by that, not by guilt, not by fear, which lead to death. They lead to destructive things. Now, how do you know um, whether you're motivated by guilt or by fear? Let me give you an example. Next time they say offering time in church, check. Don't, you don't need to win an argument with anybody. See, this thing is so, so, so personal. Check your spirit. What was the first thought? What was the first feeling that came over you? Was it, oh God, you've been so good to me. I just want to bless you with this. I have prepared it from whom I was ready for you. I'm going to rejoice and give you praise and give you this money because you've been good to me. Hallelujah. I can't help but express my praise. Or is it, oh, I can't come to God's presence empty and they do. It's not that he hasn't been good to me. Well, things are better than the way before. Let me just quit something. Then you find something together. You will know precisely within yourself. And when you don't have any offering in church, what do you do? You feel condemned? Do you feel guilty? Because we 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 we, we the pulpit has not helped. <laughs> Only a few pulpits are allowing you to to express your love. Most people are they preach a sense of responsibility and a sense of guilt to you. And Femi, what is wrong with it? Oh, listen to this message again and see what the enemy does with guilt and fear. I have told you, it will either lead to resentment because you're performing to get something. And it will lead to resentment because God will never match your energy. See, it will never happen that you manipulate God by giving. It won't happen. And you will, you will eventually feel like mocking God. That's what Paul said in Galatians, in Galatians chapter 6. He said, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that he shall reap. The man that soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. The one that soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. Every man, as he has proposed in his heart, so let him give. Now listen to this here. Because you can say, Femi, you're contradicting your argument. If you say we cannot uh, game God, look at how Jesus did when he was on earth, how he judged offerings. He told the rich ruler, sell everything you have, give it to the poor. And the Bible says he said it, that outrageous thing, because that rich ruler, rich young ruler, was ruled, controlled by his money more than he was controlled by God. So you see how God judges giving. And so he says you can't be mocked. That guy is going to bring half of what he has to church and he's probably just doing it so he could get positions in the church. It happens today, today, into this church. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. People giving to get something in church, to get recognized by the system, to get pushed to the front, to get offered good seats by the usher. Not necessarily 
because they must be read by God. And that's why Paul said, some people are going to say, we've given, we've given, we didn't get anything. And he says, God cannot be mocked. You cannot, you cannot attempt to mock God. You'll be mocking yourself. He says he sees everything. And then the same Jesus Christ saw a woman who came and gave something out of her love for God. And Jesus said, this woman has given everything that she had. Okay, now, when you, you look at that situation, you would think that Paul is saying, if you give more, you get more. If you give little, you get little. That's not what he's saying. The littleness or the bigness is not in reference to the size of, of the gift itself. Because Paul said, I mean, somebody can give out of their abundance. And some people can give out of the little that they had. That was Jesus said, you know. Um, so Paul said, it is not according to what one does not have, but according to what he has. That's how abundance is judged. And in terms of measure of acceptability of that offering. So Paul is saying, you can't game this thing. It's a heart matter. It comes from the heart. It doesn't come from the performance, the root of performance, which is the ego. The ego wants to give to control. You cannot give to control God. Okay? I will speak about provision. You will be provided for. God never said, if you give, then I'll provide for you. That's not what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. And this dysfunction that we have preached to ourselves has twisted our mindset. God will provide for you. Everything you're doing is actually you going out to gather the provision in. But we'll speak more to this when we speak basically about the economy of the believer. But as it is now, we're speaking about motivation for behavior. It shouldn't be guilt and it shouldn't be fear. If any one of this is present, it is of the flesh, it is not of the spirit. The Holy Spirit will never motivate you with guilt or with fear. He will twist your heart to see God's love in a new way. And that God's love provides you with all the motivation and the fire and the strength. First of all, you don't even know what love is unless God shows you. The thing you're calling love is what Hollywood is showing you. Real love has to come by revelation. It is not this thing that we're, talk, we're, we're doing, buying flowers. No, those are, those are external things that can be copied by anybody. But the real heart power of love, you can only get that root by revelation. And that's why I want to end by appealing to you. Don't stop praying in Ephesians prayers, in Ephesians 1, in Ephesians 3, in Colossians 1, all right, in, in, in Philippians 1. Those prayers that you go through, and together with the one in Isaiah chapter 53, from verse 5, I think, to verse 8, these are important confessions. They are the pillars upon which Christ Cafe is built. And they are, in terms of, as, a, as an expression. Now it's just a telegram group, but it's going to be a big expression. I, I mean, the Lord has been talking to me about what it's going to be. It's going to be a franchise all over the world where people are going to have conversations about Jesus Christ. It's not built for me. It's not my kingdom. It is Christ's conversation. Christians having Christ conversation and helping one another to grow and washing one another's feet 
building one another up. But the time will come when that happens. But that's the five pillars. Those pillars that I mentioned are the crux and the foundation of all our conversations. Not what we are doing. No. What Christ did, what he is doing, and what he's going to do through and with you. That's basically what it's about. So don't forget those prayers. Pray. They are very important. Ephesians 1 is good for you to know God's purpose for your life. Ephesians 3 is good for you to know what we discussed today. The love of God, which is the root of the oxygen of God's kingdom. It's the oxygen of God's presence. It's the oxygen of the life of God. The life itself expresses itself through love. That's how it grows. That's how it expands. That's how it permeates things. And that's how it heals and delivers and saves and, and transforms. Love. You need to understand it. You need to know it. You need to get it by revelation. Let God reveal it to you. Philippians chapter 1 will talk to you about love and the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of righteousness. Praying that prayer will make those fruits grow out of your spirit and affect your behavior. Colossians chapter 1 will lead you into the fine detail. It's almost like getting the intelligence of God as per how he wants to engineer your behavior. Knowledge of his will through all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Colossians chapter 1 was the most important prayers to pray. And of course, the prayer for healing should be going on in your life every second of the day. Heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved. That healing needs to go on 24-7. There's damage inside you that are rooted in places you never even in your life existed. There are doors within you that the enemy has closed as a result of dysfunctional upbringing. And God needs to open those doors so you no longer feel limited. And that life of God is at work in you 24-7 as long as you keep the confession up and you are conscious of it. Because you need to allow God, you need to allow, permit this life to permeate every aspect of your life. This is one of the most important messages of Christ Cafe and one that I hope you will compel yourself to listen to over and over again and share with so many others. I love you and I'm constantly praying for you as I pray for myself that we would experience the fullness of the life of Jesus Christ. The river never runs dry. The pillar of the Holy Ghost in service. Amen. Femi Jacobs. Bye.